You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Health Hub. My name is Kathy Biasse, and I am your host. And along with our producer, Alex Diaz, we would like to welcome you to the show today. Good morning, Alex. How are you? I'm keeping well, thank you. That's good. I'm doing well. Nice good. to see you. Do you have a good week? Yes, I did. It's been a bit of a blur, but uh, it's, I'm happy that it's Tuesday and we're doing another show today. Another show today. What's going on here at the station? We have a new new line of shows coming out? Uh, yes, well, we've got... Uh, two or three English programs that are been going to be launching in, uh, in the new year, mm-hmm. uh, actually, potentially even December. But we also have our Spanish programming that we're going to be launching very soon as well. That's as exciting. part of uh, Radio Maria Canada. So it's been a busy time for us here at the studio. That's amazing. And it's keeping you busy, I'm assuming. Are you um, the head on, on that aspect of the, of the radio station, the Spanish show? You're running that? Yes, so we're, um, we're where we need to be in terms of getting things uh, ready for launch. Excellent. That's exciting news for the station. Way to go. Our show today is live. Our number here is 416-245-1534. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Our handle is at the Health Hub RMC. And you can email us if you have any questions to thh at radiomaria.ca. And please subscribe to our podcast. We're called The Health Hub, and we're on iTunes, SoundCloud, any of your uh, podcast platforms you can find us. Our shows generally get flipped over. The live shows generally get flipped over and and are available as a podcast within a week of the show. So it's uh, really a great thing for you to do to follow up on something that that you've heard on the show live. If you haven't been able to, to stick with us through the whole show, the podcast is there for you to listen to at your leisure. You can also find the podcast on the Radio Maria website, which is www.radiomaria.ca. And you can find it on my website, which is kathybiasse.com. And if you like what you hear, please do let us know. Our show last week, The Chronobiology of Hypertension with Dr. Michael Smolensky, is up and ready for you to listen to. And uh, I listened to the podcast yesterday. Uh, oftentimes when I'm doing the show, I'm, I'm not as focused on, you know, I don't take in as much as I'd like. So I often find that, especially with the information that we, that we pull from our guests, listening to it a second, even a third time with some of the shows, uh, really helps to solidify for my learning uh, potential. Yeah, and you definitely pick up pick up different aspects that you didn't. A hundred percent. And and it, it's funny what it, I do listen to all the shows, you know, to help myself critique myself and uh, and to pick up information from the guests because I do miss I do miss some of it because I'm focusing on you know being in the moment. And um, the podcast last week with Doctor Smolensky. Um, it's just so relevant mm-hmm. for everybody. I, I was just 
re-listening to what he was saying and just this simple uh, approach to blood pressure and and changing, you know, perhaps the timing of medication, small things um, that they're the big things, I guess, that they're finding in their research with just changing timing of medication. This is just one little piece of what we discussed is just so, uh, so important for prevention, not just for people that have had heart issues, but uh, for prevention of chronic disease. It's it really this, this particular podcast is so relevant to everybody. I really encourage you to listen to it. I, I, I was um, glued to what he was saying. I just found it very, very uh, informative. So that's, that's my two cents on, on the podcast last week. Really did enjoy listening to him. So tomorrow is Halloween, and when I think of Halloween, I think of candy, and when I think of candy, I think of sugar, and I thought, well, I'll just write a few fun facts about sugar for you today as we head into Halloween, and you can take them as you will and put them where you might want to for the next day or two, but... Um, or three. Or three, <laughs> I know. I don't want to be a killjoy, just, you know, to keep you up on things. Um, I'll start with an easy one. Um, the sugar cane, the sugar from sugar cane and beet is the same. So it was discovered by a German chemist named Andreas Margraf, and he discovered that the sugar obtained from sugar beet is pretty much the same as the sugar from sugar cane. And it was his discovery that led to the production of sugar in more northern climates. Interesting, right? Because sugar cane probably was more in the warmer climate, so we can grow beets and get sugar from beets. So that's an easy fact to uh, absorb. The next ones you might not find as funny, but um, <laughs> they're coming to you anyways. Sugar hides in many foods. Sugar is added to many different foods, including savory foods. I think that we have touched on these things uh, a little bit before. So you know that sugar is in candy and, and pop and cakes and cookies. And you know that those aren't things that I encourage you to eat. But sugar is also in many condiments like ketchup and many processed foods and even in bread and in salad dressings. So very important that you read your labels. Yeah, very, very important. It's not common that you would necessarily think that uh, th- that bread would be no, uh, high in sugar. No, you you know I know when it comes to activating the yeast to get the bread to rise, it's advisable to add a little bit of sugar. But I do think that um, there is uh, added sugar to bread that that is unnecessary. Reading the li- you just it it is uh, it's surprising where sugar is found, mm-hmm. and uh, sticking to the outside of the of the grocery store is is a good idea. The next one is that sugar doesn't rot your teeth. The tooth decay isn't caused by the sugar itself. It's caused by bacteria that feed off the sugar. So I'm not going to put you on the spot, Alex, by asking you what show this might refer to, but it would be the microbiome and the oral biome that we talked about with Dr. Fishman. So he talked about the importance of the oral biome. And so noting that it's the bacteria in your mouth and bacteria that is not healthy for your mouth that causes the rot in your teeth. Eating too much sugar can accelerate the aging process. It can affect your memory. And of particular concern is the effect that it can have on brain cells. In a study, scientists found that excess consumption of sugar can result in a loss of memory and a reduction of overall mental agility. So if that isn't enough to make you put down your third calf crisp or Kit Kat or whatever it is, there you go. Refer to that point. 
You want to remember things. Don't eat as much sugar. And there are at least 61 different names of sugar on a label. So 61 different names that sugar can hide under. So anything with O's at the end is a good indication that you have sugar content in the foods that you're eating. So just a little happiness before you head into Halloween. But do enjoy. Be safe. And, you know, a little a little treat now and again is not going to hurt too much. Okay, Alex? We're good? Thank you. Yes. <laughs> okay. If you've been following us um, on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, you will know that we are in the midst of a giveaway of two books written by our guest today, Dr. Robert Brown, and it's called The Toxic Home, Conscious Home. And you still have time to enter. All you have to do is find the post on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram and tag a friend and you will be entered. The show, the show, the the giveaway ends November 1st. We will be announcing our two winners on November 1st. And barring any unforeseen issues with the post office, we will be mailing the uh, books out to our two winners. So they will be announced over social media. So you have time. Go find the post, tag your friend, and you are entered. Easy peasy. So as mentioned, our guest today is Dr. Robert Brown. And Dr. Robert Brown's blended perspective of healthcare and wellness comes from his conventional career as a physician, along with a deep-rooted passion for wellness and spiritual exploration. As a radiologist, Dr. Brown has studied the health of over 300,000 patients and has come to the conclusion that wellness is optimally achieved by limiting daily exposure to environmental stressors and giving the body time and place to heal from daily wear and tear. Our learning points today will be what are the most common sources of toxic exposure most people in today's world experience? What are recommendations for limiting daily exposure? And what are some of the proven health benefits associated with exposure uh, to electromagnetic frequency? The proven health effects of being exposed to electromagnetic frequency. We will be discussing all of these things when we return from our break. Cannot win this fight 
are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. Again, our show is live today. If you'd like to call in and talk to our guest, Dr. Brown, the number is 416-245-1534. And again, follow us, please, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Health Hub RMC. Good morning, Dr. Brown. Good morning, Kathy. Thank you for joining us today. It's going to be an interesting conversation. Yes, I hope so. It's, uh, what I find interesting right off the top is that as a radiologist, how you, you, know, how you became interested in this, in this field of study, it's something that I, I would like to explore a little bit right off the top. You know, it's true. Most of my colleagues are not uh, at all proficient in the idea of wellness. They don't really even believe that, it, that it's important at all. Um, yet I've, I've definitely uh, come to the conclusion that it's extremely important, and it's all about prevention. If you keep your body healthy and <clears throat> in, in tip-top shape, then you don't get disease in the first place, and you don't need to go to the, the medical profession to get treated. So it's all about staying well, staying healthy, and uh, living you know, the best life that you can. It, it's your book. You've bitten off a lot in your book. You covered, you know, we're going to go through it piece by piece because I really want to give our listeners exposure to what, what you've put in this book. And, you know, you've got it in three parts and you talk about sort of essentials that are being polluted and conveniences that are being polluted. And then you'd go in and talk to about energy and spirit toxicity, which is very interesting and uh, a, a big piece that I want to talk about because I, I kind of agree with you that... Um, there's so much toxicity beyond just what we we've sort of under, come to understand in the last little while, and 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 let's get to that. Environmental toxicity is really a fairly new piece in a medical sort of realm, isn't it? It is. In fact, I was I was uh, telling a friend just the other day about an experience I had painting my my living room, where I ended up with these horrendous nosebleeds a week after I painted. And I went to the emergency room because it was uncontrollable hemorrhage. At, at, you know, it was just uh, it was uncontrollable. I went to the ER physician who treated me with cauterization and recommended that I follow up with an ENT because he thought that I had a, a tumor, some type of nasopharyngeal cancer. And I asked him, I said, do you think this could be related to the volatile organic compounds that are being off-gassed by the paint that I just applied to my living room walls? And he looked at me like I had two heads. Um, and I... As I was asking him, I realized that that's exactly what it was. And so when I got home, I opened up all the windows, I put fans on, I slept downstairs and for a couple of days until the whole house, you know, aerated out. And the nosebleed stopped, and, and I never, it, it, it's been years now since that happened. But it's just an illustration that the medical community, uh, including ER physicians, they don't know much about environmental health. They don't realize how these things can affect us acutely or chronically. Well, let's let's I think the best way to to go about our conversation today is to go in order of your book. And and let's start with part one. You talk about the essentials, which are water, air and whole foods. How are they polluted? And let's let's take our time and go through these. How are they polluted within our own home? So with air, most of us think about particulates, you know, in particular, microparticulates are those tiny, tiny particles caused by combustion, and they can get lodged in our airways, and they can cause asthma and heart disease. They can easily be removed with a high-quality air filter, one that, has, uh, that you can't see through. A lot of people put on their HVA system 
one of those see-through you know, filters that has these threads in it that traps large particles and prevents your machinery from catching fire or getting clogged, but it really doesn't do much for your, for your air. And so I recommend to people that they improve the efficiency and the uh, improve the efficiency of their filters by getting one of those opaque uh, white. They are white; you can't see through them, and they they absorb much more of the uh, of the smaller particles. So particulates are one thing that we can have in our air. The other uh, is a category called volatile organic compounds, and as I mentioned with the paint story. A lot of products in our homes off-gas, furniture, paints, lacquers, uh, adhesives, even permanent markers. You know, there's, there are all kinds of chemicals in our homes that are off-gassing. And as the efficiency requirements of builders increases, you know, our homes are becoming hermetically sealed. And so there's no infiltration of the indoor air. It used to be that you would have you would have a, a wind outside and it would kind of trickle into the house and you'd have a little bit of a draft. Well, that draft actually cleansed the air. But now that we don't have that, we have a buildup of these indoor uh, compounds that can be absorbed into the bloodstream through the breath and then get into the cells and cause both acute and chronic problems. It's very easy to remedy that with houseplants. It turns out that houseplants can absorb these volatile organic compounds and use them as nutrients. So, so it's not all gloom and doom. There are simple solutions. Well, when it comes, no, this is an interesting area. Uh, when it comes to furniture, when it comes to construction material, uh, maybe we'll start with furniture. That's an, um, a whole category that we can sort of focus on. Is there a way to, we, we get these pieces of furniture, they're sprayed. Is there a way that we can off-gas these pieces of furniture uh, within the house or before they get into the house? Is there a method for doing that? Does vacuuming do something to help that? No, no. These are not particulates. They're not going to be absorbed by a vacuum cleaner. They'll just get dispersed in the air. And this is something that happens over time. You imagine you have, uh, you have solvents in a can of paint, and as the paint dries... The, there's off-gassing, but the off-gassing continues for years. And so there's really no way to prevent your, this, these materials from getting into your indoor air. But um, as I said, if you put plants in the house, they'll, they'll, um, they'll absorb the chemicals. If you open up your windows and your doors occasionally to get some fresh air into the house, then you're going to be letting these materials diffuse into the outdoor air. So it's not so much about avoiding them completely. It's about uh, it's about just lessening your exposure. And our sense. body can handle that if we are sort of limiting and doing these things. You think our body is proficient enough to detoxify? Yes, okay. yes definitely. We are really resilient. I mean, our bodies are very, very resilient. And I believe that you know exposure to things during the day is fine as long as you have nighttime to to rest and rejuvenate. And that's one of the things that I really kind of promote in my book is to create a bedroom in particular that is restful and free of toxins. But the whole house really should be, but especially the bedroom. Because that's our primary area to detoxify at night, of course. Right. So let's talk about water. That's uh, an issue that uh, we need to be focused on for sure. Water is extremely important for our health. What toxins get into our water, and what can we do about that? 
Well, many people in the country now, uh, at least in the U.S., I'm not sure about Canada, we're, we're all drinking from plastic water bottles. And the water source isn't as important as the fact that the water is being packaged in plastic. And there was a, a campaign that you know, BPA, bisphenol A, is this horrible chemical that is leaching into the water contained in the water bottle, and we're absorbing this, and it's an endocrine disruptor. So now there's many plastic bottles that say they're, they're BPA-free, and that's the new marketing campaign, you know, BPA-free bottles. But what the public doesn't realize is that there are other chemicals that the uh, industry has come up with, including BPS and bisphenol F, that are being substituted in for BPA, and the, ba the bottles can legally be labeled BPA-free, but they are still causing endocrine disruption. So it's, uh, I, I tell people, ditch the plastic water bottle once and for all. Just stop buying them. And what I recommend people do is to get a high-quality gravity drip filter, which is portable. So if you move, you can bring it from one house to another. And you can purify your own water at home. You can remove organic and inorganic uh, contaminants. And then when you collect your water... After it's been filtered, stored in a glass can, uh, jar or, uh, or container in your refrigerator, and then fill either glass or stainless steel canisters to bring with you for the day. You can bring them to work, to school, to the gym, and you don't have to worry about uh, the, uh, the, the contamination of the water from something that's inert, stainless steel or glass. So that's, a, that's an easy way to remove contaminants. Otherwise, you're... Um, you're subjected to these toxins. Now, if you don't do any filtration at the, at the house, you're, you're really putting yourself at risk, in particular if you're in a city that has old pipes, because the way they are sanitizing the water system in many communities is they're putting either chlorine in the water or chloramine, which is a, a composite of chlorine and ammonia. And this can uh, cause the pipes in your you know, lead from the pipes to leach into the water, so you can become contaminated with lead, as we know that happened in Flint. It's also happening in other cities around the country. So it's not just in Flint that this was a problem. So I recommend that people definitely filter their water before they drink it, uh, regardless of where they live. Is there a particular method of filtration that you recommend, or is, is anything, even um, uh, the Brita filter, sufficient to get out the major toxins? Uh, a Brita filter will get out lead, but I, there are many other contaminants in the water system that I don't think the Brita filter is really efficient at removing. So I would recommend going into a, a high-quality gravity drip system. It, it costs several hundred dollars. You have to replace the filters every six months, but you'll save a lot of money in, uh, by not having to buy any more plastic water bottles. True enough, and you know we, we haven't even we won't we won't get to this topic, but just as an aside, the waste from uh, the plastic water bottles is creating havoc in the environment too. So a very very relevant point that you make. Now you talked about BPA, and a lot of the food that we buy in tins, uh, the tins actually have BPA liners. And um, yes, they do. Are, is there anything that we can do to alleviate that? You can buy frozen foods, uh, or you can buy fresh produce. One of the things that I tell people when buying fresh produce, though, is to make sure that you spray it with a fruit and veggie wash. Uh, I don't think a lot of people realize that that is kind of critical. They, they think it's some type of scam that the grocery stores are trying to make a little bit extra money by selling this concoction that you spray your fruits and vegetables with. But 
it's uh, it's important to realize that a lot of the produce is coated with wax, and that's true for inorganic produce and also organic produce. And so underneath that layer of wax can be residue of herbicides and pesticides. And so if you don't remove the waxy layer, then you end up inadvertently ingesting the pesticides. So if you, re- you need to remove the wax coating before you eat the fruit. Okay, that's good to know. Um, now, you did get, you mentioned this a uh, few minutes ago, and we had to gloss over it because you were in the middle of a thought here. But I want you to explain how these toxic um, products and, and the contaminants can really mess with our endocrine system and what you feel are the major disruptors of our endocrine system. So, uh, yes, the endocrine system is, uh, for, the, for the listeners that may not know, it's, it's, a, it's a messaging system that helps one part of the body communicate with another. Imagine if you had, uh, you know, email going back and forth between you and, and your, your, uh, your community, and somebody changed the, a letter in your email address, uh, and so the, the letters that you were sending out weren't necessarily getting to where they need to go. Uh, or all of a sudden you were being spammed, and so you, you couldn't tell what, letter, what emails you were receiving were relevant to you and what were spam. Okay, that's what can happen with, with endocrine disruption. The communications get muddied, and the body can get confused. So there are chemicals like bisphenol A, which we mentioned, which the body thinks is estrogen, and estrogen is a hormone, of course, produced by the ovaries, which is important for a lot of processes in the body, not just uh, some of the, 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 um, those related to fertility. They, you know, one of the things that estrogens do is they, they tell the body to deposit fat. And so we have an epidemic of obesity. Well, maybe that's related to the, the, uh, the, the uh, presence of BPA and other estrogen mimicking compounds in our food and our water. Uh, other things that BPA can uh, cause is in men, it can cause feminization and a condition called gynecomastia, which is breast development in men. And I see that as a radiologist much more frequently than I used to. I mean, it's almost ubiquitous in patients that I read CAT scans uh, on. Uh, another unfortunate uh, a condition that can be caused by excess estrogen is breast cancer and uterine cancer and, and breast cancer. I don't know if people realize, but the incidence is continuing to rise. It's now one in eight. So these are very real effects that are caused by uh, ex, uh, that can be caused by excess estrogen. And I think that some of these estrogen mimicking compounds may be at the root of this. It's it's very, um, you know, talking about the endocrine disruptors, that's just one small piece of the whole uh, aspect of toxic overload. But I think uh, what your book is doing is, is bringing to the forefront the relevancy of why we need to pay attention to our toxic overload. You know, it goes, it, it, it's, it's pervasive through the body how they can disrupt. Now, before we go to break, what I'd like to uh, get into, so we've dealt with the essentials, we've talked about whole foods, but you're, you really had um, uh, sort of an aha moment when you, you sort of worked with the microbiome. How did that begin to change or begin to bring into perspective the effect of toxins? 
Yes, you know, we, we thought for many, many years that bacteria were bad and we needed to try to eradicate as many of them as possible in order to live healthy lives. But the Human Microbiome Project brought to, to awareness, to consciousness, that we are covered with bacteria inside and out. Uh, our airways are lined with bacteria, our mouth and our digestive system are covered with bacteria, and, of course, our skin's covered with bacteria. Many of the products in the marketplace are designed to kill bacteria. So, for example, if you spray an antiseptic uh, aerosol into the air and you inhale that, those micro uh, droplets that are getting into your airway and your nasal cavity are killing off the microbiome in those parts that are being exposed. Well, you know, we know now that people who are using these products have, more in, uh, have a greater incidence of asthma, chronic bronchitis, sinusitis, all kinds of disorders and diseases that the, these, these bacteria help prevent. Okay, well, that's, I think we're going to stop there. And then when we come back, we're going to take where we've left off and go into uh, household cleaning products and the second part of your book. So we'll be back in a few minutes. Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, please call 416-245-1534. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. Just a reminder again, if you follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, you know already about our book giveaway by Dr. Brown. 
called the Toxic Home, the Conscious Home. The giveaway is still open. We will uh, pick our winners November 1st. All you have to do is go to the post on uh, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at the Health Hub RMC. Tag a friend and you will be entered. So Dr. Brown, we ended off at an interesting point in your understanding of how the microbiome is affected by um, by toxins. I guess we'll, we'll leave it at that and you can go deeper into it. Let's deal with household chemicals. How do they affect our microbiome and, and, you know, even going beyond that? What has been your research and understanding into that? Uh, the microbiome, as, as we mentioned before the break, is, is, uh, is covering the body. It's also inside the body. And the chemicals that we use to clean our homes are designed to kill bacteria. So if we get those chemicals on our skin... Uh, that, you know, by either cleaning without gloves or having the aerosol sprays or, or, uh, or other uh, um, ingredients contact our skin, then we can be killing the microbiome, the organisms on our skin. And that leaves us vulnerable. I like to think of the microbiome as being a protective envelope that really helps us navigate through the world. It's not, it's not something that we want to be afraid of. It's not icky. It's, it's very important for our safety and our well-being. So the cleaning products, you know, people like to have a spick and span home. We've been kind of indoctrinated by the Cleaning Institute to believe that that's really what we desire, but it doesn't need to be that way. And actually, we can clean most things with just water and a good, a good microfiber cloth. Uh, but if people want to have things, uh, uh, you know, to remove oils and, and things like that from the countertop, if they've been cleaning, you can use vinegar, you can use salt, um, there are baking powder. There, there are different ways, edible food products that we can use to clean the home instead of these chemicals. Um, so that's the. Uh, so we talked about the inhalation of these chemicals through aerosols and, and also the contact through skin. Um, you know, there's also cleaning products that we use for our dishes that may not get off all the way when we put them through the dishwasher or we rinse them. There's a little bit of residue of these cleaning products on our plates and our silverware and, and our glasses in particular. And so the next meal that we're eating, we may be ingesting some residue of these cleaning products and they can go in and they can damage the microbiome of our gut. And chronic damage to the microbiome of the gut can cause all kinds of disorders of the digestive system. And one that I think is particularly uh, relevant is that of celiac disease and gluten sensitivity which didn't even exist 25 years ago, as far as I can tell. As a radiologist, I first started noting, noticing gluten sensitivity and celiac disease about 10 years ago. Um, so that's another uh, example. I'm not sure if it's caused necessarily from cleaning products or if it's from the food supply and what they're doing to uh, the food supply. But we could talk about them more if you're interested. But I think those are the, the pathways by which we're being affected by cleaning products. I have to say that... Um I try and use gentle cleaning products. I try and use organic cleaning products. But the one thing that I don't use, and it, it just came to my recognition after you're talking, is I don't use that in the dishwasher. I always just assumed that it was a very sanitary, high heat area. And you're saying that even in the dishwasher, we have to be very conscious of the chemicals that go in. It, well, it certainly depends on the efficiency of the dishwasher. And uh, I know I've had dishwashers in the past where I would put out a powdered uh, 
cleanser, and when I would take the dishes out, I would see little speckles of cleanser on the glasses. You know, this is before I did my research. Um, I didn't think too much of it, but some of, some of the dishwashers are not really efficient at getting all the cleanser off of the, of the uh, flatware and the, and the glasses. So you really need to be looking carefully to see, you know, how is it. I recommend people check out the Environmental Working Group. It's ewg.org. They've done a huge database on cleansers and, and cleaning products and things like that, among other categories of, of household products. And they, they rate things based on toxicity. So if, if people are interested, that's a reference that people could go to, a resource people could go mm-hmm. to for, for more information about what's safe and what's not. But, yeah, you know, the things that we eat from can also be kind of tainted with residue. Hmm. Uh, good to know. And it actually, I thought it was pretty conscious of things like that, and it never actually entered my mind. Maybe we can talk about a couple of other things that are um, prevalent in many, many homes, and I'd like your opinion on them. Uh, one is antibacterial soap, and the other is the common use of air fresheners, either plug-in or sprayed or in the car. I'd like your opinion on those two things. Okay, uh, antibacterial soaps, as, we, as I just mentioned, uh, I would not use those. Um, most of the pathogenic bacteria you can wash off with just soap and water. You don't need an antibacterial soap. And in fact, in the U.S., uh, the, the ingredient that a lot of these cleansers had was called triclosan, and it's, it's toxic. And so now they don't have the, the soaps in the U.S. Any, anyway. They're not uh, allowed to be back antibacterial anymore. I don't know if you have that in Canada, but uh, they're, they're on the way out, which is good, mm-hmm. yeah, because they do more damage than good. And, and as I said, you know, the, the microbiome that you have on your body it's going to stay with you. You don't want to kill it off. Pathogenic bacteria that you pick up from the environment, you can wash off with soap and water. And what about the, um, the air fresheners? Air fresheners, most of them are they're, they're synthetic fragrances that are produced in chemical factories, and they are they're volatile organic compounds. So when you bring them into your home or your car, you're actually just infiltrating the air with chemicals, volatile organic compounds. For people that like to have fragrance in their air, I would strongly recommend looking into essential oils, mm-hmm. aromatherapy, and uh, make sure that they're pure. There are some companies out there that are making pure essential oils. They're much more expensive than the synthetic counterparts, but they are not toxic. They do not cause headaches. They do not cause disease. Um, much better choice than the factory-made ones. Yeah, the diffusers now, they come in all different price ranges. And as you said, get a good quality oil. And, uh, you know, they have health benefits as well as just the smell. And even in the car, there are plug-in things for essential oils. They, these air fresheners in the car, um, they... It, they just they I don't like them at all. They bother me, but um, right. I, I think it's it's very good to know that these are toxics uh, again. And you're in your car and you're confined to the small area, so people need to understand that these may not be the healthiest avenues for making their car smell good. And the other one I want to touch on before we get into a very interesting piece of your book is um, let's talk about personal care products. Yeah, personal care products are, uh, it, it's, a, it's a whole subset of, of uh, potential toxins, depending on what you use. Uh, a lot of them are unnecessary, but the, uh, you know, because of marketing and uh, labeling deception, people are attracted to them, right? 
what people may not realize is that um, the, the labeling requirements for the personal care products industry is really lacking. And so when you, when you purchase a product and you apply it to your skin, you really have no idea what's in it. And a lot of chemicals, we used to think that these chemicals were, uh, they were, um, that, that the skin was an impermeable surface, that you would put something on the skin and it wouldn't be absorbed. But what we've now realized is that the skin does absorb things, especially things that are fatty. So um, it's, it's important to, to pay attention to what you put on your skin, in particular those products that go on to large areas of the body, like suntan lotions and, and skin creams and moisturizers, things like that. Um, the, the, the materials that go on smaller parts of the body, like eyeliner, uh, maybe less, less important to be concerned about. The one exception is lipstick, and many lipsticks contain lead, which I don't know if women realize. And they say, well, it's a safe amount of lead. You're not going to absorb it if it's used in the correct manner. But what is the correct manner of using lipstick? Does that mean you can't kiss somebody in the lips? Does that mean that you shouldn't eat or drink if, you're, if you have lipstick on? Because if you, you know, uh, I'm sure many women experience, you eat some food and uh, some of the lipstick can get on the sandwich or whatever you're eating and then you end up ingesting it. So mm-hmm. there's, there's no, you know, lead is a neurotoxin. There's no safe amount of lead that you can ingest without having uh, some health effects. So uh, the, the personal care products industry, I strongly recommend that people try to limit as much as they can what they're using. And then the things that they do use Check out the environmental working group again. They have a wonderful database to, to kind of investigate what your choices are. Try to make healthier choices. And there are products that you can make at home, again, with edible ingredients that will be non-toxic. And as effective. And as effective, that's mm-hmm. right. Okay, let's get on to part three of your book, which is, you know, it's, it's not something that people might readily assume with decreasing toxicity in their household. We're talking about energy and spirit and feng shui and music and toxic noise. And it's, it's really very, very interesting. So let's get into that piece of it. And I don't know where you want to start. Maybe we'll start with EMFs and explaining what EMFs are and what they're doing to our health toxic wise and how to reduce them. And then we'll get into the other pieces as well. Sure. Uh, yes, I mean, a lot of people, when they think about toxins and home toxicity in particular, they think about the biochemical relationships that we have to the environment. Uh, but, you know, we're not, we are a bag of chemicals in a sense, but those chemicals are made by uh, atoms which have charged particles and they create energetic fields. And so, you know, we have our brain in particular functions by the creation of electromagnetic frequency. And we have, uh, this is how we function, and we emit that. We also receive it from others. So, yes, the, section on the, the third section in the book is on, is on how we relate energetically to our environment. Now, we, we have measurable sources of energy that we, you know, they have the technology to measure, and there are unmeasurable sources of energy. EMF is one of those sources that most people haven't really considered uh, but as technology is increasing and we have, you know, all this 4G and now 5G that they want to uh, put out there, the Wi-Fi, everybody's got a cell phone, these devices are emitting frequency. 
which is a, is, is a form of energy. And although there's not much of a uh, risk when you put the, fo- the cell phone you know, ne- next to you, you know, you're, there's no acute reaction. The chronic exposure to these products is kind of uncertain. Um, now, some of the documented health effects from EMF are that of the production of heat, and also there's a, uh, a gland in the brain called the pineal gland, which produces melatonin, which is that hormone, the sleep hormone that we need, and it's a very, very important hormone, particularly for those of us that live in the northern climates. So if we don't produce enough melatonin, our immune systems can suffer, particularly in the winter. EMF has been shown to reduce the production and secretion of melatonin, particularly at night. So we don't want to have a Wi-Fi router, we don't want to have a cell phone or any other emitter of EMF in or near our bedrooms while we're trying to sleep. And that's, a, that's one of the things that I try to tell everybody. Take the Wi-Fi out of your bedroom, take it out of you know, any room near your house, and if you can't, not your house, but anywhere near your bedroom, if you can't remove it, then put it on an appliance timer so that it shuts off a half an hour before you go to sleep and that it, it, it comes back on when you wake up. And that way you can sleep without any influence of, of EMF. Well, what about if you use, you know, I know a lot of kids use their phones as an alarm system. How, how right. does that work? The alarm function will still work if you put the phone on airplane mode. Uh, you know, and I would recommend keeping the phone f- across the room from where your nightstand is. It's not good to have, because even in airplane mode, the phones seem to ping. They, they send out an electromagnetic pulse every now and then. Uh, I'm not quite sure it, if they all do, if some of them do, or what the, fre- the frequency may vary, but it seems that even if they're in airplane mode, they'll still ping, and uh, your, your brain can sense that. So I recommend if they're gonna, if people want to have their cell phone as an, as a, a timer, put it in airplane mode, and keep it on a on a, uh, a a stand away from your bed. So the EMF functions some uh, it functions uh, along with other sources of uh, radiation by a property called the inverse square law. So if you double the distance, you are decreasing the exposure of the radiation by one by four times. Okay. So distance matters. Interesting. Very important. Now, you talk about music and sound, and maybe you can give our listeners uh, a, a little bit of a, a taste of what you've written about in your book, about the sounds we hear and the music that we listen to. Yeah, music is fascinating. The more I read about it, the more, uh, I, the, the, more the greater importance that I realize that it has in our well-being Sound in particular causes resonance, and so uh, it's, it's the old uh, the example of the opera singer singing uh, the same pitch as, a, as that of a glass, a wine glass, and the, and the glass starts to vibrate because it's absorbing the sound produced by the opera singer. The same thing happens with our bodies. We have these structures in our bodies that are different lengths. They have different uh, inherent frequencies, and so when we hear music, we're actually playing the different parts of our body. They're vibrating. We may not be aware of this, but we're receiving energy. Different parts of our body are receiving energy from music, and it's sequential. Each note produces a certain frequency, and if there's a, there are harmonics. If you have uh, 
and particularly in a, uh, an acoustic instrument, there's there are other frequencies besides the dominant frequency, and all of these are they're infusing the body with energy. It's fascinating. Um, there's also something called uh, um, entrainment, which is when you have a rhythm, a repetitive rhythm, other other processes nearby that have that that have a periodicity will kind of absorb that rhythm and they'll either speed up or slow down depending on the rhythm that you're listening to. So, for example, if you want to kind of retire and get quiet for the night, you would want to put on uh, music that has a slow rhythm, something with a, you know, a very slow rhythm. If you want energy and you want to speed up and have more activity, you would put on something with a fast rhythm. And these are not, these are not processes that you have to think about. They happen naturally. Um, there's also, in music, there's consciousness. So the, the producer, the, the artist that creates the music, is imparting their consciousness into the music, and so that is absorbed subliminally. And if you're listening to the music and you're singing along with the lyrics, you are, again, you're kind of re- recreating the consciousness that has been put into the music by the artist. Now, are there toxic sounds? Noise can be considered a toxin. Now, there's, a, there's acute, uh, acute toxicity, which can cause hearing loss. You know, if you place things too loud, or uh, there's a condition called noise-induced hearing loss, which is caused by excessively loud sound that happens over a period of time. But noise in general can cause a stress response. So the body secretes cortisol, and that kind of gets the body hyped up for the, the stress, uh, stress reaction, and chronic noise can create chronic stress. And even though a person may not be consciously aware, we may tune out the noise in our environment consciously, the body is still absorbing it. The, the ears are still hearing it. The body's still reacting to it. And so there's really no way to eliminate the stress response except by taking the noise out of your environment. Now, if that's not possible because you live in a city and there's ambient noise you just can't get rid of, uh, I recommend that people put earplugs in their ears when they go to sleep so that there's no, you know, it diminishes the sound that much more. So certain noises can be toxic and the music can be healing. Is that yes. sort of how you're getting to uh, the bottom of these two things? Yes, Okay, exactly. very nice. Now, um, I want to make sure that we include this piece about getting the toxicity of your own headspace out, and we've got about two or three minutes, so let's quickly touch on, you know, making our own headspace less toxic, and then just a, a piece about the feng shui that you've got um, in your book, and then we'll, we'll sort of wrap it up from there. Sure. Yes, I, I, I believe that what we focus on really kind of manifests in our life. Uh, and so it's very important that we, that, we have, that we have a mindset of health and wellness. Somebody who is focused on disease, somebody who's focused on their ills, just kind of propagates their ills. And so I believe that every day people should meditate, find a, a quiet time to, to just get become one with themselves and uh, relax, be calm, and enjoy, you know, be grateful for their, what they have in the world and know that they're healthy, know that they're loved, know that they're taken care of, and just love your body, love your beingness. And that really helps uh, with, your, with, your, with your physical well-being. 
you know, you could take care of everything in your home that we've discussed and, and take care of all these toxins, but if your mind is still focused on sickness and being ill, then it's not really going to help. That piece of it really needs to be there. It's very important. And although we can't measure this with, these, with, a, with an instrument, it seems to be real. Uh, the same with feng shui. You know, it's an ancient, ancient discipline, and a lot of people dismiss it as they do with acupuncture. But I know from experience that acupuncture works. And I've also had fascinating experiences with feng shui, where I believe that the, the, the laws of feng shui are relevant to us today as they were you know, thousands of years ago when it was first um, created. So I encourage people to look at that. Look at some of the, the, uh, the, the rules of feng shui. It's not that complicated. It's, uh, it's a very interesting study. And although these energetic currents can't necessarily be measured with an instrument, you sense them. You, know, mm-hmm. you sense them. You sense a, a certain calm, a certain peace, a certain flow of energy that is healing. You know, you don't want to have stagnation of energy in your home. Uh, and again, as we were saying earlier, that by hermetically sealing up our homes with these, you know, new improved uh, windows and, and, and seams that we use for, uh, you know, to, for, during construction, we've really created uh, a system in, inside the house where there's no movement of air. And so we need to kind of look at moving energy through our home, and that is the process of feng shui. Great. You know, we've, we've dabbled in all aspects of the book. We've given our listeners a, a little tidbit of, of just a, a small pieces of, of how great your book is and what you have to offer. The book is called Toxic Home, Conscious Home by Dr. Robert Brown. You can follow Dr. Brown. His handles on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and his website is Rob Brown MD. His website is robbrownmd.com. You can also email him at robbrownmd at gmail.com. And Dr. Brown, where can we find your book? Uh, the book is available on Amazon.com and also Barnes & Noble, uh, barnesandnoble.com. Thank you very much for that. Thank you for joining us today. And remember, everybody, you have a couple of days left to still uh, become involved in the giveaway of our book. Just look at the Health Hub RMC on Twitter, Facebook, and what am I forgetting? Instagram and tag a friend and you will be entered into win a book. Dr. Brown, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll talk to you everybody next week on the Health Hub. Hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.